Neuropathways, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring the latest research discoveries and clinical advances in the fields of neurology, neurosurgery, neurorehab, and psychiatry. Although 7-Tesla MRI was first approved by the FDA for clinical diagnostic use in October 2017, Cleveland Clinic began using its 7-T MRI research system for research purposes as early as 2014. 7-T field strength offers increased signal-to-noise and contrast-to-noise ratios resulting in sharper images with potentially better detection and visualization of cortical malformations. In today's episode of Neural Pathways, we'll discuss the applications of 7T in the care continuum from research to clinical care. I'm your host, Glenn Stevens, neurologist, neuro-oncologist in Cleveland Clinic's Neurologic Institute. I'm very pleased to have Dr. Stephen Jones join me for today's conversation. Dr. Jones is Vice Chair for Research and Academic Affairs in Cleveland Clinic's Imaging Institute and Staff Neuroradiologist in Cleveland Clinic's Neurologic Institute. Stephen, welcome to Neuropathways. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. So for our first question... In the last decade, several technical improvements have led to strengthening the magnetic field of MRI to produce higher resolution images. The outcome is the introduction of ultra-high field 7T MRI scanners that have many advantages in comparison to the routine MRI, such as 3T MRI. Can you start our conversation by taking us through the advantages and drawbacks of 7T? Uh, let me just begin that by talking about, in general, what about the three Tesla, you know, this magical machine, MRI, that has this ability to look inside tissues without having to use a scalpel, we take for granted. And it all comes from looking at the signals that come from the water molecules that are inside of our head. And the more magnetic field we have, the stronger those signals we get. And engineers love signal. And the more we have, we can do things with it. In particular, we can look at smaller voxels. I like to think of 7 Tesla in an analogy with television as high-definition MRI. We take it for granted now. If you look at televisions, uh, the cathode ray tubes that we used to have and the fuzzy pictures, they'd be unacceptable today. And when we came out now with high-definition TV, which is now in every home, That's the standard quality of crisp pictures, tiny pixels that we can see. So I like to think of seven Tesla as an analogy like that. We're going from three up to seven. We get all this extra signal and then it's money in the bank that we can use. And we we spend this signal typically to get smaller voxels. There are a few other advantages we might have. Tissue characteristics might look a little different one way or the other. It's more sensitive to blood products than then the Functional MRI, which is just a very interesting uh, phenomena that we can look at, improves also with 7-Tesla. So there are numbers of advantages. Some of the disadvantages are that all MRI has some distortions, some artifacts, and these also unfortunately get amplified at 7-Tesla. But if we look at the arc of discovery and development of MRI itself, every time we've gone from a lower field to a higher field MRI, There have been problems at first, but once these clever engineers have produced thousands of these machines, 
many of these disadvantages are, are addressed and taken care of. So I would think that in the decades to come, we're going to find the drawbacks currently at 7 Tesla will no longer be there. So I'm excited for the future with 7 Tesla imaging. So just on that point that you raised, uh, can we go higher? Have we gone higher? Is there higher than 7T? There are some very exciting experiments that are being done in France and some here in the United States where, yes, they've been able to push it above 10 Tesla, I think approaching uh, 11 Tesla, and there's one that's almost 14 Tesla. You start developing different categories of engineering difficulties at those sorts of levels. There are some talks of getting up to 20 Tesla, and I even saw one talk that fantasized getting up to 80 Tesla. But every time you make those steps, completely new problems start to come up. So I'd be concerned about my fillings, but uh, we'll leave that for another time. <laughs> so the 7T is used for a broad range of applications across clinical subspecialties. Can you share examples of research and clinical applications your team is using the technology for in the fields of neurology and neurosurgery? And I know on a personal level, you and I have worked with a couple of uh, brain tumor patients to try and help in the differential diagnosis. Sure, there are many different diseases, but let's start with what you just mentioned, and you know, brain tumors, is that the seven Tesla will be able to give us better detail where it's needed on some of these tumors. I think I remember with one of our neurosurgery colleagues, maybe a couple of years ago, there was a lesion near the base of the brain. And it's very important, as you know, is this a tumor that's inside the brain or just outside the brain pushing in? and trying to get the tiny details matter. And at the lower field strength MRIs that we had, we couldn't quite be sure. We came to seven Tesla and then we could say, ah, this is a tumor outside the brain. This is probably in this category and we will treat it thusly. So that was one that came to mind. I think others are seeing the texture of some of these tumors. And this is you know, work that is going on throughout uh, many seven Tesla machines throughout the world is if you can look with high definition MRI, can you see texture of tumors a little bit better? And does that texture tell you something about the native tumor behavior? Uh, if we go to the field of epilepsy, which I've done most of my work in, this is also one where detail can matter. Sometimes we're looking for these tiny little lesions that are in someone's brain on the cortex, for example. And this is a very exciting as a physician scientist, this is a very exciting field to work in because epilepsy patients, as you know, are typically younger patients. This impacts a long life of someone that's gonna be on strong medications, cannot drive, troubles with jobs and relationships. And if you can just find the little lesion in the brain and you can have a surgeon excise it, you may buy someone a lifelong seizure freedom. And that's a tremendous thing. So how could 7 Tesla come into this? This may come into play by finding small lesions that we can't quite pick up at smaller field. Again, high definition MRI, being able to see something we couldn't quite appreciate before. Steve, any comments about traumatic brain injury in 7T? Unfortunately, most mild traumatic brain injury shows normal MRIs. Now we know the patients are suffering. We know that something is there uh, that's wrong in the microstructure of the brain, but often MRIs just can't quite see it. Sometimes you can see tiny little hemorrhages that might have occurred. Now, at 7 Tesla, it is exquisitely sensitive 
to the chronic blood products that might come from little microhemorrhages. So we have seen many patients that might have questionable TBI, and we can use the 7 Tesla as this microscope for uh, small hemorrhages, and we can see where they might be and change the diagnosis for traumatic brain injury. And lastly, uh, in terms of things to treat, what about degenerative brain disorders? How is it helpful there? So one of the interesting applications for degenerative brain disorders is related to the microhemorrhages. Uh, for example, there's a close association in Alzheimer's disease with amyloid deposition. And amyloid deposition may also occur in areas surrounding blood vessels that make them more likely to bleed. So we've just discussed how 7-Tesla MRI is more sensitive to hemorrhagic products. And what we can see in some people that have this disease, amyloid angiopathy, is exquisite numbers of microhemorrhages that have a cortically-based distribution, very characteristic. And 7-Tesla can just nail that because it can show you the numerous uh, microhemorrhages in this cortical or gyroform pattern and can uh, help nail that diagnosis. And I'm curious as to whether or not magnetic resonance angiography is improved with 7T or is 3 fine? So again, it's about more signal. And with more signal, if you want to, you can make smaller voxels or smaller pixels. And indeed, the MR angiography that we can make can be almost as good as catheter angiography. So this is worth a remark. Catheter angiography is the gold standard for being able to diagnose small vascular lesions in the brain. It also has the added advantage of, of not only diagnosing, but you can treat as these skilled neurosurgeons and neuroradiologists are able to thread catheters from the groin up into the middle of the brain and sometimes treat these lesions. But there's always a small possibility that when you have catheters doing this intervention of causing small strokes, so if all you want to do is diagnose, you just want to image, does some small lesion exist or not? It is wonderful that you could have seven Tesla MR angiography, almost the equivalent of catheter angiography. So you wouldn't need to take the risk of giving someone small strokes simply just to diagnose. We have found several examples of aneurysms that might be in the middle cerebral arteries near the ophthalmic artery origin. And that's a very important location because is the aneurysm intradural or extradural? And sometimes it's very difficult to see that on low field MRA. But 7-Tesla MRA, has those extra small voxels can help you make that diagnosis. So I really appreciate your case examples. Any other complex cases that you've seen over the years uh, that 7-T has helped make a differential diagnosis or treatment decision for? We had one very interesting case. This was a patient who uh, came to the clinic, a middle-aged woman, and her husband was a taxidermist. And she started having mental status changes and the brains were, her brain MRI was inconclusive. And we thought maybe that there were multiple small lesions. And did these small lesions have a little focus of calcium on them or susceptibility effect or not? Now, anyone who knows infectious diseases in the brain is going to immediately say, could this be sister sarcosis? So we went to 7-Tesla, and we looked, and we saw in the extra detail, sure enough, the characteristic signet ring sign of sister sarcosis. So there's an interesting caveat to the story, is that she also had other lesions in the liver, and they were able to biopsy some of them, and it wasn't sister sarcosis. They weren't sure what it was. It was sent to NIH. And they did an analysis, and it turned out to be a cousin of sister sarcosis, Versteria. 
And Versteria is a zoonotic version of sister sarcosis. In other words, lives in animals. So this is one of the first known transmissions of Versteria into humans and was maybe related to the fact that her husband was a taxidermist. We don't know for sure. But I thought this was so interesting that because of seven Tesla, we made this interesting diagnosis. Well, I have to tell you, you've really got me excited about 7T here with these stories. It's great. Uh, where might we take 7T uh, that we haven't been yet? I think an exciting one, which would be related to your work, would be to look for micrometastasis. So, you know, when you have patients that have metastasis, they will appear often as small little lesions that might only be a few millimeters big. And with lower field MRI, we look for the enhancing small lesions. As you know, we do this every day. Wouldn't it be good if you had high definition MRI that was able to see these things at a smaller and earlier stage? And would this benefit the patient that would be able to treat these micrometastases at an earlier and I think this is work that I know is now being started at other institutions, and we hope to embark on this ourselves. Another area where we can use 7 Tesla is in multiple sclerosis, MS. And while we see many patients whose brain MRIs with multiple sclerosis are very characteristic, and we can just say, yes, this is like multiple sclerosis, there are many patients that are in a gray zone, and they may have small little lesions in areas of the brain that are ambiguous. We just don't know if it's simply MS or maybe they are nonspecific things and what I might call like age spots in the brain that as you get older, they just accumulate and trying to distinguish between those two can be problematic. Well, with seven Tesla, we can see a feature of multiple sclerosis lesions that's very small and helps to identify this as a true multiple sclerosis plaque. And that is the central vein. That is, that the multiple sclerosis lesions tend to form in a cylinder around a segment of vein. And these are only about one millimeter or so big, and the lesions start from that. So what 7-Tesla allows us to do is we look for the central vein in these tiny little lesions. We look for a little dot in the center of this little white spot, and that's characteristic multiple sclerosis. Another exciting thing is targeting for deep brain stimulation or DBS. Here our skilled neurosurgeons have this fantastic technique where they can put electrodes inside the brain within millimeters of accuracy. It's still, I don't know how they do it and I'm in awe of this skill, but they have to know where to go, where to put these electrodes in order to have an effect. Now, one that we do is for a central tremor or in Parkinson's, where you have, can have patients with debilitating shaking of, the hand, of their hands. They can't sign a checkbook. They can't use their iPhone. They can't, they can't hold a glass of water. But if we can find the tiny little lesion in the thalamus, for example, and make a small little lesion that's only about three or four millimeters big, that tremor can go away. But the key is we've got to find that location. And so an exciting thing for 7-Tesla is to use some of its slightly different and improved high-resolution look at the brain that can help directly visualize some of these foci. And in addition, we can start combining this with other interesting aspects of MRI, the functional MRI of the brain. We can look for brain connectivity, resting state connectivity, diffusion tensor connectivity, and we can try to see on an individual patient basis, how we can see these locations, how we can help our surgeons target 
And our HIFU, high-intensity focused ultrasound, is another very exciting science fiction-like technology we have where we can do brain surgery without a scalpel. And we can use focused ultrasound in an MRI setting, and we can focus and heat up that spot in the thalamus. Again, it all comes back to where to target because we can steer these spots very carefully. And we're excited to use Seva Tesla combined with HIFU to improve patient care. Excellent. So before we sound off, are there any additional takeaways that you have for providers like myself specific to 7T MRI and its use in medical practice? I think the best way to view this machine, which is a very expensive machine, as we could all imagine, is that it's a problem-solving instrument. In other words, if you have a patient and you want to image them, I would not recommend 7Tesla to be the first line of scanning that you would do. We find the use is that you would do a regular, say, three Tesla, and when you still have problems that you don't quite know what's going on and you want to be able to get a better look, a better definition, seven Tesla becomes your problem solver. In one sense, I'm not sure whether every hospital has to have multiple seven Teslas, but every catchment area probably should have one. I make an analogy if I go back to television. Remember looking at a football game or a baseball game with old cathode ray tubes. And if you saw the score in the bottom corner, remember how we might used to squint and we tried to see, is that five to three? We could still enjoy the game, but sometimes detail matters. Now with this high definition MRI, you don't have to squint. You can see it right there. Very well said. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time and insights. And I know I learned a lot today. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. This concludes this episode of Neuropathways. You can find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash neuropodcast, or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from experts in Cleveland Clinic's Neurological Institute on our ConsultQD website. That's consultqd.clevelandclinic.org slash neuro or follow us on Twitter at CLEClinicMD, all one word. And thank you for listening.